You're listening to an Axe Church sermon. Axe Church Northwest is located in Vancouver, Washington, and we have services meeting each week at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. You can also join us online live at our 11 a.m. service each Sunday. If you'd like to know more about Axe Church Northwest, you can go to axechurchnw.org. Now enjoy the sermon. Let's look to the Lord before we get started. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this place that we've dedicated to you where we can come in comfortably and just sing your praises. That as we show up and we reach out to you, you reach right back down and lift us up. How awesome it is to be called a child of God. Father, we ask a special blessing as we open your word this morning that it would, that it would speak, that it would not be the words of a man, but instead your words spoken to your people and written upon their very hearts that we would leave this place today different than when we arrived, ready to go out into this world that needs you so, so desperately. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Daniel. My older brother is David. My father is Dr. Dave. They're everywhere. Robinsons are everywhere. Uh, (laughs) But what you may not know about me is that growing up and probably even after I have grown up. Uh, I'm a nerd. I don't know if you guys are aware of that, that I'm kind of a dork. Uh, and so maybe when you guys were in high school and stuff, you were going to prom or something, uh, I was at home learning how to juggle, because that's what nerds do. Uh, magic tricks, you know, all that sort of stuff. Uh, and I haven't really done it much, other than the first service, uh, in about, I don't know, five or six years. But I thought we could talk about juggling today. And sometimes as Christians, we walk through this world trying to keep up with everything that's going on. We got the coronavirus. We got the murder hornets. Who had dueling hurricanes for August, by the way, because you win the pool? Uh, This this year is not getting any better. And the truth is, and I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings or their outlook on life, but the truth is, it's only going to get worse, folks. This world is not going to get any better. It's only going to get worse. Uh, I read it in a book. You guys should check it out sometime. It's called the Bible. And as we try to go through life juggling all these different things that are going on, besides the fact that we've got families, we've got to, we've got to feed ourselves, we've got to do this and this, and we're trying to be a representation to the community, it just feels like we've got all these balls up in the air, and how can we possibly keep them going? And so, uh, as an example, because I like to use examples, I'm going to show you that, that I can juggle. Whether or not that actually happens, I don't know. I have lots of extra tennis balls, though, so you don't need to throw them back to me as they fly out into the audience right now. Uh, we're going to see if I can get three going, so let's just see if we can just have that. See, I can do it. What a nerd. Peyton. So the world record for juggling tennis balls is 12 at once, 12 tennis balls at once. I figured... Let's go for it. Want to go for it? Let's see if we can get 12 going at once. I think it's worth a shot. Uh, <laughs> well, what I'm going to have to do is get all these balls out of here and try to stack them up here. Hold on. Hold on. I get it. I get it. I get it. Okay. All right. We got 12 tennis balls. I'm going to do my best to juggle all 12. So that means we will tie the world record right here at X Church this morning. Are those cameras on? Is YouTube here to, to film this? All right. Got to make sure YouTube gets down here to film this. All right, we're going to try 12. And what we're going to do as we try to do 12 is just remind ourselves that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, right? Somewhere that's knitted on a pillow at your house. And so I'm guessing you guys probably know what's about to happen, but let's just see. Let's just see. Sorry, front row. Just keep, keep your eyes open. All right, here we go. 12 at once. 12 at once. Here we go. Uh, 12. 
You thought you were getting the ball there, didn't you? <laughs> See, it turns out that I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. You guys didn't know. Now, you may say, but Daniel, you didn't really juggle 12 balls, and I would say that's just your opinion, okay? Uh, <laughs> the, so, so I cheated, all right? I cheated. Or perhaps you could think of it this way. I found a way. I found a way to get 12 up into the air. And in that way, we can call Christ, we can call God our following of Jesus, our own private little cheat code. The best cheat code for any game you've ever played. You don't even have to put a quarter in the machine with this, with this cheat code, and you automatically win the game. All you have to say is, I'm with him. And all of a sudden, things become possible that weren't possible before. And life doesn't get you down quite as quickly as it used to get you down before. Now, we've talked about this, this verse a couple times already, this, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That is Philippians 4.13. And everybody kind of knows this scripture. But what I want to do is take a step back, because this happens a lot. We'll read a verse, and we'll say, I like that verse. But we don't read the verse before it or the verse after it. And so we just take this really cool saying, and we stitch it on our pillow, or we put it on a refrigerator, and it reminds us all these things. But let's look at what Paul actually said, starting at verse 12. So Philippians 4, verse 12, it says... I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, Paul seems to have a little more to this verse than just tickles and feel goods, doesn't he? I know what it's like to be abased. There's a good word for you. That just means humiliated taken to the very bottom, nothing left, nothing to look forward to, fully abased. He knows what it's like to be abased. He also knows what it's like to abound, to have wealth and have a good place and good food and servants. He knows what it's like to be hungry. He knows what it's like to be full. What he didn't say was, I used to be hungry. Then I met Jesus. Now I'm full. That's not what he said. That's what we want to hear, but that's not what he said. There is no anywhere in the Bible that promises you that the minute you accept Jesus Christ as your personal savior and commit your life to him, that all of a sudden it's cotton candy clouds, red velvet ropes part, champagne falls from the heavens everywhere you go. You can't lose. You're just always, no, 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 no. That's not in the Bible. And if someone uh, told you that at some point, go get your money back uh, because that's not in there. Uh, in fact, quite the opposite. When we follow Christ, we are going to have trials. We are going to have difficult times. It's just part of the deal. Now, the truth is, if you don't have Christ, you're going to have trials. Coronavirus is hitting everybody the same, holy and unholy alike. Murder hornets will sting you. They don't care if you're a Christ follower. These things are out there. They happen. The difference is we can have some sort of security, confidence, peace that other people just cannot quite comprehend. But it means you're going to go through these things. Now, in other industries, besides Christianity, we, we call this the cost of doing business. I used to work at McDonald's. If you guys don't know, my 16th birthday present was an application to McDonald's. And uh, I got a job at McDonald's. Worked there for a couple years. And I want to tell you, the craziest, most ridiculous things happen at McDonald's if you screw up someone's burger. If they ordered it with no pickles, and there's pickles on that thing, duck because it's coming for you. They're gonna come up, where's the manager? This thing has pickles, huge. I mean, over pickles on a 69 cent cheeseburger, this guy is going to lose his mind. Uh, we even had a, a particularly famous person, I won't, I won't name any names, but she was a very famous figure skater who lives in and around our area, okay? And uh, she came in uh, through the drive-thru one night and we made the, the ultimate mistake. We forgot to put a straw in the bag. I mean, how 
dare we forget to put a straw in her bag? And so, of course, it's, give me that straw, you guys are dirty, you're terrible. Okay, I'm sorry. So we hand her the straw, and in an angry way, she you know, hits the straw to get it out of the paper and, and breaks the straw as she's doing it, okay? Then puts it in her drink. The straw is now cut, puts it in her mouth, and cuts her lip, right? Now, you want to see someone get mad? Watch this lady. Freak out that we cut her straw, gave her a cut straw. We're going to sue you. I'm calling the cops. And we said, that's great. Just get out of the drive-thru, please. Uh, you are having a major life emergency over a straw, over pickles on your burger. This is sometimes how we treat the smallest of things. It blows our life up. And that is not very reflective of someone who claims to follow Christ. Now, if anybody... If anybody should be able to have just peace and just handle anything, you would think it would be the 12. The 12 disciples that followed Jesus around, they've seen so much, they've been through so much. I bet they were always cool as a cucumber. Yeah? Maybe not. Maybe they're in a boat and Jesus is taking a nap and a storm comes up and they freak out. And they go and they wake up Jesus and they say, Get up, Master, get up. We are going to die. And he says, oh, you, you have little faith. Watch this. Peace. Be still. And the waves subside and everybody's safe. I like to think that Jesus was not only talking to the weather at this point, but he's also talking to the 12. He's like, peace. Be still. Yo, come on. Calm down. You think I brought you out here just to let you die in the boat right now? We, we, yesterday, we raised a guy from the dead. And tomorrow, we're going we're gonna to heal some blindness. And you're worried that we're going to die in the boat today? Why are you so easily moved by every little thing that happens? Pickles on your cheeseburger. Pickles on your cheeseburger. Life-altering event in this person's life. Now, my wife, she didn't work uh, at McDonald's. She went and she got a job at the bank. She was a bank teller. You want to see someone get really, 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 really mad? Touch their money. Touch their money. Well, my wife saw people that were overdrafted by hundreds of dollars. And they'd come into the bank and they'd say, I tried to use my card today and it declined me and it was embarrassing and you guys are, and she looks in their account, uh, sir, you're negative $750. I know, I know. Well, if you know, why are you yelling at me? They're freaking out, freaking out over a negative thing in their account. Don't touch people's money <laughs> because if you're not a follower of Christ, and even a lot of times those who are followers of Christ, money replaces God. See, if I want to have something, if I want security, for instance, a place to sleep tonight or something to eat, I need to pay for it. And if I don't have the money, I can't pay for it. Without my money, I lose all security. I am now very insecure, very easily moved. Anything will mess with me now. I don't have my money. And don't make no mistake, we do it as Christians too. We let money start to try to get in between us and God. We start to say, without it, I don't have security. But you do. You do have security. See, that book I was talking about earlier called The Bible, I've read the end of it. We win. <laughs> There's no reason to get super upset about money or pickles on your cheeseburger or an overdraft on your checking account because we have a peace that passes understanding, or at least we should. The problem that we have when we're out here trying to juggle is we're out here trying to juggle by ourselves. We say, thank you, Jesus, for all that help. Now I got this. Well, that's not how we set it up. If you try to do it, you're going to freak out over pickles on a cheeseburger. And Jesus is, is, is disappointed when you freak out about near-death experience on the lake. How do you think he feels when you freak out about the pickles? We're supposed to be plugged into him. When we decide to follow 
Jesus. Just like at McDonald's or at the bank, there is a cost of doing business. When we follow Jesus, there is a cost of discipleship. If you're going to be a disciple of Christ, get ready, because things are still going to come at you. The difference is now you've got security. Now you've got a, a different outlook on every single thing that happens. We're not so easily moved anymore. We might even be willing to go to God and say, where do you want me to go, Lord? Where, send me, send me, and I'll go. In fact, this happened in Luke chapter 9. Jesus is walking down the road, and I want to, I'm just going to guess that this actually probably happened a lot to him. People would come up to him and want to follow him. So check this out. Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 57. Now it happened, as they journeyed on the road, that some said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then, another said, then he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and you preach the kingdom of God. Another also said, Lord, I'll follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Wait a minute, Jesus. I thought <laughs> that you've got this free gift of grace. It's free, right? It's a gift. And I take this gift of grace and now everything goes smoothly. <clears throat> Quite the opposite. And Jesus never told you any different. In fact, as they came, he said, come to me. And they go, well, hold on. I got to do this first. No, you have nothing else to do. Focus on what I've asked you to do. It is a reasonable service to follow him with all your heart. I, I liken it to someone with a big bag of trash. Okay? I got this big bag of trash, and I'm trying to do work for the Lord. And so Jesus shows up to me, and he says, Daniel, hand me the trash, and I will take care of that for you, and we can go, we can go to work. And I say, okay, Lord. And I set the bag down, and I say, here's my trash, except, hold on, I want to keep this old diaper, and I want to keep uh, this rotten milk, and, and I'm just going to hold on to these things, and you go ahead and take the trash. And Jesus has just got to be looking at you going, why do you want that stinky old trash? Oh, well, this, this is me. See, I want to keep this little part. I want, I want all the good of Christ, and I don't want to have to deal with anything else. And I also still want to kind of keep this secret sin or, or this addiction or this particular set of things that I do. These, those are just for me. So basically, I'm saying, Lord, I'll give you all my life. And by all of my life, I mean about 78% because 22% is for me. And that is not what Jesus did for you. See, when Jesus went to the cross, he didn't 78% die. He 100% died. Here's the good news. He also 100% rose from the grave, conquered death, and now we have something else. We have that same promise given to us that we will one day rise with him. But in between today and that day, we've got work to do. We've got to put the plow to the ground and not look behind us. Go get in your car today, once you're far away from my car, and drive forward while looking backwards. And let's just see what happens. Okay, let's just see where you end up on the road. Again, get very far away from my vehicles before you do that. You can't look the wrong way and try to go forward. Jesus says, give me all of it, and I will show you the way. But you got to plug in. you got to be connected. you got to have access to what he has for you, because trials will come. And when my dad, many of you know my dad, Dr. Dave, uh, when he was younger, he had a youth group of sorts that he was doing, and he just had some of the high school boys were coming over, and they were just having a little middle mini Bible study. And this was the first lesson my dad learned about youth groups. If you want to grow a youth group, and you have 
any amount of boys, just get more boys, and guess who shows up? Girls. Ha <laughs> ha, look how that works. Same thing works the other way. Get a lot of girls, and the boys will show up. Probably worse. Some thirsty boys will show up. Either way, he was growing this, this youth group to a point where every Wednesday, who knew what, what mix of people were coming in? 20, 30, 40 kids coming in. Well, one week as he finishes Bible study, he sees this guy he doesn't recognize. He looks a little older. Maybe he's 22 or something. He's crying in the back of the, in the, back of the Bible study. So as the kids kind of dismiss, my dad comes and he sits with this guy. He says, what's going on? You know? And the guy says, look, I've been struggling because I came here today to recruit drug dealers. See, I'm a major drug dealer and I need representation in the school. And I heard that this is where all the popular kids are at, guys, girls, etc. So I wanted to see if I could get a couple representatives. Now... I don't want to do any of that anymore. And so right there with my dad, he prayed and received Jesus Christ as his personal savior. Awesome story. Except two weeks later, the man showed up again for Bible study. This time he's not crying. He's obstinate. He's angry. And my dad says, what's going on? And he says, ever since I accepted Christ as my savior, everything has gone wrong. All my friends have rejected me. I got a bill in the mail from five years ago I didn't even know existed. Now it's going to go to collections. I might get arrested. This salvation thing is, is junk. I'd like to give it back. I'd like to give it back. My dad spoke with him for a while, talked him through the, the, the natural rule of things is you're going to face trials. And when you follow Christ, Satan just gets a bigger target put on your back. And without staying in him, staying in Christ, staying connected, you will easily be knocked over. The man did not turn in his salvation card that day, and in fact is still a Christian practicing to this day. But he had to get through this thing where as soon as he followed Jesus, everything got harder. Whoever it is in your life that told you as soon as you follow Jesus, everything gets easier is wrong. It's going to be difficult. You will face trials. When you do, you need to be connected to the power. Imagine it like this. There's a fire in the sanctuary. We need to put it out. So I grab a hose, don't hook it up to anything, and just start pointing the hose at the fire. How quickly am I going to get the fire out? Never. Unless I take the other side and screw it in to a water source. Maybe a fire hydrant would be good. Screw that in, boom, water's coming out. If I'm not connected to the water, no water comes out. This isn't very challenging. Am I with you guys so far? Okay. No water, no fire going out. All right. So as Christians, we go in and we're walking through this world and we go, Lord, Lord, I'm, I was supposed to follow you and I can't get through this stuff. It drives me nuts. I'm pushed around constantly. And Jesus says, your hose isn't hooked up. Because when's the last time you did these things? Number one way to... to uh, Number one of three ways to connect to the power of God, to plug your hose in. Number one way, the Bible, the word of God, handed down to you. You get your very own. If you have a phone, you can have every version you ever had. You, ultimate access to the word of God. But when Barna does their research and finds out how many evangelical Christians read their Bibles and about how often, I, I hate to break it to you, the answer is they don't. They don't read their Bibles. They come in on Sundays, if they're there on Sunday, and they wait for the pastor to put it up on the screen. There's my Bible reading for this week. Well, guess what? Your, your hose isn't hooked up to the wall. How are you going to do anything? There's no water coming out of your hose because you never plug into this awesome thing called the Word of God. Your second thing that you should be connected to so we have water in our hose is prayer. Prayer. How many times do we hear this in the New Testament? And then Jesus went off to pray. 
And then he sent them across the lake while he went to pray. If it's good enough for Jesus, good enough for me. Prayer. But here's the thing about prayer. It's not a laundry list. Too often we come in in the morning, let's say, and we're praying, and we go, Lord, help my brother, my sister, my cousin, my uncle, my co-workers, the starving kids in Africa, uh, bless this, bless that, whatever. Amen. Bye. And we're off to work, and we're back into our life. We, we did half a prayer, right? But prayer, like a phone call, is a conversation. When do we stop to hear from God? Never. <laughs> We, instead, we should take Paul's advice and pray continuously. We should always be talking to the Father, and we should also always be listening. When you're in the car, driving to work, this is a great time to pray. I would ask you to keep your eyes open while you're driving in the car, but you can go ahead and pray while driving. In fact, that's probably when you need to be plugged into the God the most, because I know what you guys do behind the wheel of that car. You ain't fooling me. You're five minutes late for work and someone cuts you off. I'm guessing you're not saying, praise the Lord. I think you're saying something else. I won't embarrass you by telling you I know exactly what you say to him. But behind the wheel of a car is where we get very disconnected because we think it's private and all this stuff. Instead, that's a great opportunity to be connected with God to be in conversation with God. Turn on a podcast, listen to some spiritual music, turn it all off and just talk and listen for what God has for you. Without prayer, you are disconnected from the, from the source and the fire rages on. The word of God and prayer. Number three, community. Community, that's this. That's what we're doing right now. It is by being together that we build each other up. Here's what the word says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner for some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. Have you ever heard this one? I would go to church, but I find that I get a lot more from God when I'm fishing on the lake. So I'll go out to the lake and I'll get, I'll get a full dose of God. Uh, okay, but you're not getting any community. You're not, you're not talking to other Christians. You're not building each other up. You're not stirring each other up for good works because you're missing out on this huge piece. Your hose isn't hooked up to the water source. Community. And so what do we do? We come here on Sundays. We have church. We also offer lots of different life groups. This isn't just a place where you go to hear someone teach. It's a place where we go to do life together, to be a part of each other's lives, to share and, and build each other up and carry each other's burdens. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So you're worried about the pickles on your cheeseburger. You're not thinking about the pickles on the other guy's cheeseburger when we should be thinking about each other all the time. We should be bearing each other's burdens. When you go to a life group, I'm not saying you have to embarrass yourself or your spouse or anything else. You could go to a life group and say, could you just pray for me this week? I got something going on. And I've never met a Christian at a life group that when you say that, they go, no, I will not pray for you unless you tell me what it is. Now they're going to pray for you. They're going to pray for you right there. Probably going to put their arm around you. They might even shed a tear for you, bearing each other's burdens. It is through community that we stay connected. The word of God, prayer, and community. And the truth of the matter is, in, in this late age of the world that we are in, the Word of God has gone out the window. We're not reading our Bibles, folks. We're not reading our Bibles. Read your Bible. 
when we pray, it's, it's almost like we're just sending an email. Here's everything I need today, Lord. Bye-bye. Where's the conversation? Community is, is falling away. Now, I understand there's a pandemic, and, and there might be people at home right now, whichever camera's on, might be people at home right now that aren't able to come in, and so they don't get to experience this community. But here's this really cool thing that has come out in the last few years. It's called a phone. You just pick it up and call somebody. Works really easy. Picks up, pick up the phone and call somebody. Get a FaceTime going. Have community. There's always an excuse not to do something. Satan loves it. Satan loves to throw you excuses. This is free. You don't have to go. There's a pandemic. Oh, but they're going to make me wear a mask. Oh, but this person doesn't wear a mask. All excuses not to get together. And Satan sits at home and twists his mustache and says, ha, 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 I got him again. They'll never put the fire out because we're not plugged into the wall. The power we have, the power that Jesus has, that God has to give us to juggle this life, to break world records, is right here in these three things. The word of God, prayer, and community. When we are fastened into it, when we are hooked up to it, when we are on the solid rock, when things come our way, we are not so easily moved. But do not mistake what I just said. I did not say things won't come your way. I said things will come your way, but we should not be moved. There's a famous verse that we like to read when we talk about trials, and I think it makes people feel better. Actually, I think it's quite the opposite. But in James chapter 1, verse 2, my brethren, Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Do you feel better? Just count it all joy. What's a, could you imagine if someone like just lost their spouse or something, right? They're crying. My husband died. You go, count it all joy. That's a good way to get smacked in the face. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Funny how that example came back out again, huh? Driven and tossed by the wind. Peace. Be still. Be rooted. Be connected. Be in the word of God. Pray continuously. Gather in community. And then that verse will make you feel better. I can start to say, oh, when these trials come, it's, it's making me better. He's allowing these things in my life so that I can become more and more strong. Then when my brother from life group comes in and says, I'm, having a ter- I'm weak right now, I say, borrow my strength. Jesus, come into their life. Help. These types of things happen and no one's moved by their pickles on their burger anymore. And everyone's starting to get out there and break world records. That's what we're called to do. Call, go, out, go out and do amazing things for God. But it means we have to go through these times. These difficult, trying times. And there was a group of ladies, older ladies, that had a little Bible study. And they were reading through the book of Deuteronomy one day. And when they got to this chapter in Deuteronomy, it described God like this. It says, and God sits like a refiner of silver. Well, these ladies, they didn't like the idea of God sitting. All right, he should be at work, right? I, why is he sitting down? I don't, like, I don't like that it says God sitting. So they actually did a little field trip, and they went to a silversmith, someone that refines silver. And they said, describe to me why it says sits like a refiner of silver. We don't like it. And the guy says, oh, no, that's super appropriate. You see, silver, if you don't know, is very expensive. 
And if we're going to melt it down, we got to make sure it doesn't get too hot. It gets too hot, it burns, no more silver. Costs you money. So as a refiner, I have to make sure the heat never gets too hot. I also have to make sure that it doesn't get too cold because then the imperfections that I'm trying to clean out of the silver won't come to the top and the silver's no good. It has to be dialed in perfectly. So I have to sit there and I have to watch it, applying only enough heat as is needed without going too high or too low. God sits like a refiner of silver, allowing just the right amount of heat. Not too much, but he's not going to let you get away with it ever either. It's going to be the right amount. So as these imperfections rise to the top of this bowl of silver, then the smith can just take those imperfections and wipe them right across the top and wipe them across the top until we get this perfect silver. The Lord your God sits as a refiner of silver, except you're the silver. You're the precious thing that he is trying to take care of. And these women go, that's amazing, sir. Thank you so much. What a great explanation of how this works and why he would sit. And I love that analogy of not too much heat and not too little. And silversmith says, yeah, not, not a problem, but I haven't even told you the best part. Do you know how I know when the silver is done? He said, no, enlighten us. He said, well, as we take these imperfections off, eventually we'll get to the point where there are no imperfections. It will sit so still and be so perfect that I will look into it and I'll be able to see my reflection. And that's how I know when the silver is done. So what you're saying is, if I hear you right, he applies the right amount of heat to our lives as these imperfections go out. Eventually, when someone looks at me, they see him. Whoa, I'll take that deal. I don't think any of us have really gotten, gotten there yet, but wouldn't that be amazing? The truth is you probably have been there. By going through your life connected, by being solid, by not being pushed around by the easiest of wins, by the pickles on your burger, other people are going to look at you and they're going to say, how come you're not bothered by this? Oh, it's pretty easy. I, I know the whole story. It's right here in the word of God. They do see Christ in you. They do see the creator in you, the silversmith, the, the refiner who is in our lives to create in us the best possible representation of who he is. You want to break world records? You're going to have to give it up to God, and he'll give you the cheat code. He'll give you the way to make the balls be stuck together, and then, boom, we're juggling 12 balls. We're doing things we thought we never could do because God has the ability to perform miracles. He is a way maker. We just sang it. Waymaker, miracle maker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. That is who God is. And he wants to just pour it out into your life. And we want to say, okay, Lord, take it, but I want to keep this old diaper and this. Oh, throw the trash away. Get connected into the word. Pray, meet together with other Christians. Now, do not hear what I didn't say. I didn't say only meet with other Christians. This is the other thing that us Christians like to do. We like to fall into our little groups and we say, I only talk to other Christians. That way I never get pushed around. Well, here's the problem. If you only talk to other Christians, then who's talking to the people that are lost? We have to have that balance. We have to be strong, not pushed, and not easily moved by the winds of this world so that we can tell the people who are dying outside this place about how great he is. That when they look at us and they see him, we introduce them to that same ability to be grounded and connected to the source. The source of all that is good and perfect and beautiful in this world. The creator of the world wants a relationship with you and he wants all of you. 
Not 78%, not 92%, 100%. And then you'll be able to go out and break world records because of who Jesus is and what he will do through our lives. When we leave here today, start juggling. Thanks again for listening. We hope the Lord blessed you through it. We'd like to invite you to join us on one of our Sunday morning services at either 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. Whether you would just like to find out some more info about Acts Church, or if you'd like to plug in and take some next steps in your faith, AxeChurchNW.org is a great place to start. You can also email us at info at There's always more content coming, whether it's on YouTube or on our podcast channel. So be sure to subscribe to both of those to always get the newest content from Axe Church. Until next time, we hope you have a blessed week.